Welcome to Beneath Your Beautiful, where guests share stories of adversity and perseverance, which inspire, encourage, and challenge us. We embrace these tough conversations, intimately exploring our loves, fears, and hopes with a delicious combination of depth and lightness. Hi, I'm very happy to be here. My name is Victoria Peltier, and I'm a career-long corporate executive, C-suite executive, board director. I'm an author and I'm a professional public speaker, not to mention a mom, a wife, a fitness fanatic, a foodie and a wine lover. What's your book? It's called Unstoppable, which is a co-authored book. I plan to do sort of the independently full-authored book at some point. But when I was asked to contribute, I'm like, that's my life motto of being unstoppable. So I'm all in. What makes you unstoppable? I have an extreme amount of resilience that comes from extreme adversity in my early years. And I think you have a choice of fight or flight, and I'm a fighter. And so by choice, I just don't let anything stop me from you know achieving the goals or objectives that I've set out for myself. I was touched inappropriately when I was young, and my mom died when I was 18. And it took me a long time to not live in that story to rise above what happened to me. But you have always been this way, you're saying, from a young age, or did you learn something that helped? So my origin story is that I was born to a drug-addicted teenage mother who abused me severely. I'm fortunate that I was adopted out of that situation and so into a loving home and no abuse. But my parents who adopted me didn't have a lot of money, lower socioeconomic status. I remember my mom said to me, you need to do better than us. And she meant vocationally, education-wise, but I don't think she had to say that to me because I was determined I was going to be better than the biology or the circumstance. And so for me, I was determined. I felt like I had something to prove to the world. And I was like, I'm not going to be, Julie is my biological mother. I was like, I'm not going to be anything like her. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do better. And so it kind of came from those early years even. And then I quickly realized I started working at 11 and have maintained one, two jobs, even all throughout like college or university and beyond. And I excelled in a a work environment. And so that was even, I set my mind to like, I'm going to achieve this level, or I'm going to get to here, or I'm going to do this or accomplish something. And so it was just this continued push forward that allowed me to be unstoppable. I do think there's a little bit of DNA and like in there. So nature, nurture. So I think there's a little bit, again, I'm a fighter, but at the same time, I've learned to sort of have this no excuses mindset and to just move forward with what I want. What have you learned about your feelings? I was being coached by somebody not very long ago and they were saying, well, what are you feeling? And I was like, she had to send me a list of feeling words because I didn't know what I was feeling. I couldn't dig deeper. I learned it twice recently. That feelings last only 90 seconds. If you can experience it and not push it down, it's a 90 seconds long. Like who can't do that? Maybe it's a science or maybe two people know the same weird statistic. (laughs) (laughs) But how did you previously handle your feelings? And now what do you do that's maybe in a better way? So I believe like this, this notion of being resilient is, as I said, a little bit DNA, but I also think it's like a muscle. You can develop it. And I actually attribute my mother, my mother is the woman that raised me for helping me with this because 
I would be very quick to emotion. Maybe that's that 90 second bit that you've said. And I had all of these emotions that I couldn't have articulated. So I remember her sitting me down and she's like, Tori, like we need to talk through this. Let's understand why you've reacted or responded this way. And as a teenager, I hated it for hours sitting down and trying to talk about my feelings and emotion and and how it was impacting what I would do or say. And that ability to be incredibly self-reflective has subsequently helped me. Although I could articulate feelings, the part I had to continue to develop is processing those feelings and understanding in the moment why I was reacting. It's like, oh, I have a fear of being rejected. Mm -hmm. I have a fear of failing. And so therefore, I'm choosing not to take action or to do something in a particular way. And so for me, this notion of feelings, emotions, and therefore being resilient and not letting the situations hold me back was by going through that self-reflection and then modeling the thoughts, the action, and the behavior of where I want to get to. And then also myself or giving myself permission to fail, but then always anchoring back on What's my mission? What's my goal? What's my objective? So it's kind of this cycle that I've learned and it includes first understanding the emotion and how it's contributed to whatever thoughts or actions I'm having or or responding to. That's great that your mom did that for you. Do you have any relationship with your biological mother? No, by choice. She knew actually my adoptive parents. So she would occasionally stay in contact and reach out. Normally she was asking for money or something. I found out she went to jail. I think when I was 11 years old, she'd stab someone. And I was like, I'm determined, like I'm going to be nothing like this woman. And so I've never really stayed connected to her. Both she and my adoptive mother passed away within months of one another. Uh About 20 years ago when I was pregnant with my younger one from complications from AIDS. And so I chose not to. My, my biological grandmother, I, I know, she wanted me to, I think, see Julie in on her deathbed. I didn't feel a need for it. I think it was to try and give Julie to say sorry or do whatever she needed to do to clear the slate before she passed. And, and I didn't feel that I had a need to do that. So yeah. I chose not to. Do you have any sympathy for drug users or are you bitter because of your mother about drug use? I think knowing a little bit more around her own backstory, I think. I understand how she got. I mean, she's one of four girls. My grandmother kind of sort, who's actually still alive and well into her 90s, has sort of apologized to me for the situation. I mean, she acknowledged that she was a bad mother. My grandfather was a military man in a way. And so my grandmother was dealing with four girls herself. And I think Julie was born with a cord wrapped around there. She had some developmental delays initially. And Yet her younger sister, who was like a year younger, was so gifted and excelled. Like there were all these dynamics in the home front that I think is what pushed Julie to go down, you know, the path. And so, yeah, I'm sympathetic of the circumstances that led her down that path. And addictions are a real thing. I have sympathy, let's say, for X period. And like I said, for, for Julie in terms of how she got there. But actually, it's a big part of like, I've never done like I am so determined, like I will never, ever do drugs uh, at all as a result of that. You can either follow in their path or like take the complete opposite. And I've chosen the latter. Do you have a mission or what do you feel like your life's purpose is? Or do you have one? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. And it, I do some coaching also on personal brand. And one of the elements around defining your personal brand is around the legacy. Like, 
what do you want to be known for? And for me, it's not about like the millions of dollars that I've grown or saved for companies. It's like, that's not that, you know, the hashtag they say, like, what's in that hashtag? That's not it for me. I want to be known for making the lives of the people that I touch in workplace, in community, and ideally more broadly, the platform I have in terms of doing public speaking and therefore not necessarily meeting one-on-one with people, I'm hoping that's what I'm going to be known for, for making this world a better place. And a big part of that is around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And then also very specifically, even in workplaces, I'm very focused on being a human-centered leader. That doesn't mean that we don't have excellent business results by being a very different kind of leader who focuses on the human and we all show up as our whole selves to work every day and being engaged that way and therefore having the kind of culture that most people would want to work in. Those are the things that I want to be known for, not only now, but certainly when I pass. This notion of being unstoppable and and living with no excuses. I find most of my social media posts, hashtag unstoppable and no excuses. The no excuses ones drives my children crazy. But it's kind of this notion that like we're the CEO of brand you, right? And so whether that's your personal brand and curating the way you show up, and it needs to be authentic, but like you get to define what that is, the goals and objectives that you set. Don't let anyone tell you how far and wide you can or cannot go. Right. Just not letting things stop you. Like, yes, obstacles are going to come our way. Adversity is going to come our way. Have the emotion, feel it but then we choose how we're going to respond and move forward. And so I think that's really important is that recognition of choice in what we want and the life we curate for ourselves. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. It was great. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beneath Your Beautiful, hosted by Hara Allison. And thank you for your ratings and reviews. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Stay tuned.